Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Music Challenge Podcast, where every week, three music-loving friends sit down and talk brass tacks about the music that has touched our lives. This season on the Music Challenge Podcast, we'll be talking about our formative four, the four albums that set us on our personal musical journeys. Where did your musical journey begin? Let us know who your formative four are. We'll be featuring listener selections along the way, and we just may feature your groundbreaking music grails. The albums that started it all for you and what you are listening to now. Let us know what we're missing out on and what we can be listening to. Email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for weekly episodes featuring some of the most influential albums of our past, present, and future. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the latest episode of the Music Challenge Podcast. And welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew Keefe. Andrew, anyway. And uh, I want to introduce my co-host tonight, Rob and Jed. What's up, hey, guys? guys? How's it going? All right. They are to my bottom left and bottom right. And the special guest of the evening is Woo-hoo. Johnny Rosia, all the way from Jersey. He's brought his formative four. He's ready to rock and roll. He has an eclectic music collection, and he is wearing a wrestling mask right now. And he's <laughs> and he's and he's from the East Coast, so we get a little bit of flavor. It, it's not wearing a wrestling fun, mask. Folks. This is just my face. Ah. <laughs> it's just that. It's oh a perfect gosh. face for radio. It's like porcelain. <laughs> oh, I mean, you don't get a face like that, you know, in the city of Rocky. Yeah, I get you. Um, so, so speaking of Rocky, I don't mean to interrupt you, Drew. No, go ahead, man. It, am I am I right in saying that there's a better Philly cheesesteak in Jersey than there is in Philly? You are 100% right. I just oh. had this discussion. Ooh. South Jersey is the land Got of cheesesteak and pizza. Great question. Philly is where tourists go. Uh, well, if you well, come che- to Philly. Well, cheese whiz. Well, cheesesteak is the is the land that it is. It's not the land of pizza. We got the land of pizza here. We're gonna have a whole thing here. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> has <laughs> Chicago has something very delicious that they serve to you and call pizza. Oh. And it's very good. We don't, we don't get it here either. Only to two. We don't get it here either. We're talking about pub Tra- style. Ta- tavern, tavern cut is is the pizza. Exactly. Tavern cut. So uh, how about it, John? What about the pizza down there? Uh, so, I mean, we, you can get a, a Sizzleon, but it's not, that's not what you're getting. You're going to get like a nice crispy thin crust. It's going to be like the it. greasiest thing you ever had in your life. I like um, it. That's what we want. Everything here, every, and everybody's got their own, uh, you know, their own marinara for it. There's nobody, nobody's duplicating. There's no store-bought distributors for it or anything. So right, there's a lot right. of, a lot of flight, wow. but the real reason it's good, the okay. real reason it's good is the same reason our cheesesteaks are good. It's not about the marinara or the cheese or even the meat. It's because the water that goes into the bread out here goes into the, the dough. Okay. It's Yes, it's water in New Jersey. It's water, not water right. or whatever you say. It's well, I had no idea what you were talking about. That reminded me of water. somebody else comes, I know that grew up and in it does, And it makes everybody comes here and they love our bread. You just go to bakeries everywhere and it's chewy. 100% it's the dough. not crunchy. Yeah, and, and all bread products here are, are chewy and really moist because really? of whatever weird chemicals we have in the you know, water. And I am I am captivated. I need to go there and eat. Oh, it's amazing. As a retired pastry chef, I would 100% agree with that. Oh, wow. So all about, that's all about the water. 
Yeah. Well, so people don't know. They're like, why is this cheesesteak so good? Well, oh, is and, the meat is the grease. No, it's because the bread is chewy. Wow. And here, and here, if like there are there's a uh there's actually like a pretty famous um like pizza making uh school that's in Lyle that a friend of mine of ours just went to and he went through that program and they they have additions like secret you know kind of secret sauce additions okay. to put into the water to sort of like recreate that mineral content recreate get, jersey get, water water i'm sorry i need to call it water and i'll tell water. you what I, it makes a hundred percent difference in the dough no. you can totally taste it so, you know, one reason John is on here tonight is uh, he was fantastic enough to be one of the first people who gave his formative four to us. And uh, before we get to the main masterpiece of his formative four that he wants to discuss tonight, uh, we want to hear about his first three. And we can harangue and whatever his list uh, that he's brought up. So now, of course, you know, John, this is not a... Uh, we do not uh, place value statements on the album so much because That's it's fine. your opinion, man. It's your opinion. Absolutely. So, you know, it's a, you know, thanks, we're, thanks for participating though. Honestly, amazing. And this is why we do it. Thrilled. Yeah. To, thrilled to. I mean, actually what a bang off to the last, uh, this is our last episode of the season. Oh, and well, I'm honored compared to every, everything we've gone through this season, you know, and then plus an interview. I mean, Ab- I'd absolutely. say we're ready for the second season, pandemic and all. Um, hey, there, you, there you have it, folks. We dropped it, second season. Yes, we'll be back. We have signed contracts. <laughs> They've asked us to come back because um, we, we finally got through the email, which was, you know, I don't know if you ever saw uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or Miracle on 34th Street, but it was some sort yes. of post office incident like that. It was daunting, folks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, why did everyone send snail mail? That was strange. <laughs> Just, now yeah. I'll, I'll try not to mess that up for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, John, why don't you give us one of your formative four? Uh, the first of my formative four uh, is an album, Dookie by Green Day. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, you got someone's I mean, attention. That is the first piece of, uh, it's the first piece of secular music that didn't come from my parents for me. That's a, it. It's the first popular music that I came to uh, of my own, you know, through the normal channels that people hear about music right, and friends. Right. Um, and, and how old are you at this point? When when that album dropped, I was probably six or seven, but I think I heard oh, it when wow. I was about um, maybe eight, a year or two after because it was, it was still out and very popular at the time. Sure. But the thing about that album is, Hits from that album were still getting played on on MTV twenty years later. You know, I mean oh, that yeah. album six of on the radio. Classic crack now. You're right. Yeah, forever. Yeah, that. By the way, the transition of the music the, into the classic rock station is a hard transition. But, <laughs> but sure. don't I know um, it? Wait, there's more stations to come after that, so don't worry. Right. Oh yeah, but that that album meant uh, a ton to me. I mean, it was a a way I connected with a lot of friends. We got up to some shenanigans. Uh, me me and a girl in my high school broke into the AV lab where they did the morning announcements from and we wired <laughs> nice. uh, that CD. We wired that CD into the PA system and played the entirety of the CD before they figured out where we had stashed awesome. the hidden player and the wires. Dude, that is, <laughs> so that's that's, that's, minutes. that's um, what a record like that is written for. That is teen angst and it's <laughs> finest. Oh, dude. the best. Oh, the best. Uh, yeah. We were we were so angry about nothing. <laughs> and, about and exactly. We were that way. Right. <laughs> 
I'm so comfortable. <laughs> I'm bored. All us kids in the suburbs, angry. And, that was, and we were, I, I grew up in absolutely the suburban wasteland. You know, what everybody thinks of as that suburban ennui. Um, we were close enough to Philadelphia that we could go get our kind of taste of sure. what um, city and even what bad parts of city were because there's still some, right. there's some bad parts of Philly. And I actually uh, live outside yeah. of a city that's, there's a city that's been in the news a little bit lately. Camden, New Jersey has been in the okay. news a little bit familiar with Camden. Is it rough? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Camden was the murder capital of the U.S. for mm-hmm. many years. Whoa! Very, yeah. very, very rough city. That that city borders my town. Um, wow. But it's but it's very interesting. That city borders my town, but in my town, people don't lock their doors at night. Like it's it stayed very self contained. It's crazy um, how quickly it, it changes, right? The demographic yeah, or yeah. whatever. There's always a crispy line. But it, there it turned around uh, in the last about six seven years. There were some really major reforms that turned around. But mm. boy, that's where I am. So, but nestled in between those two things. So you got you got Camden on one side of the river. You got Philly on the other side of the river. Gotcha. And then nestled in between were was just this stretch of suburbia that ran all the way up the river, sure. and that's right where where I live. And so a lot of those albums, I mean, I was exactly the demographic for those albums. Absolutely. And and I was in a, a lot of different demographics. I never fell musically, as you'll see as I go into the other albums, I never sure. fell exactly into one demographic. I had, you know, my parents were big, big uh, musical influences. My father loved uh, 50s and early 60s music. My mom okay. lived for late 60s, 70s music. Gotcha. Um, when, I, when I got married, I... The dan- when I danced with my mother at my wedding, we danced to Led Zeppelin. So nice. I mean, there was my yeah, favorite. She's a big. Wow. Here they are again. Here they yeah. are, guys. I'm just saying. What my song? What song? We all need to know what song. My, it had to be. Thank you. It was. It was very good. <laughs> very good. That was the first song that Robert Plant wrote lyrics to. By the way. In, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Um, Rob's always good so, for so a that's fact. My, so I have tons of, of of influences there, and my my father's a big he was a, a musician for a while. I don't know if you you guys are music heads. Do you happen to know kind of obscure a guy named Ben Vaughn? Ben Vaughn. Um, ben Not Vaughn. Off the top of my head. No. Famously, um, he's done. You've definitely heard him because he's done music for a lot of TV and movies. He wrote the music for like Men Behaving Badly and Third Rock okay. from the Sun and oh, wow. oh, those okay. kind of shows. Um, he's got his own music uh, music show. Before that, though, he did a bunch of um, he did a, bu- a bunch of albums. Very, very Americana surf rock kind of guy. Okay, but nice. From town, and and his first band, my father was the drummer in that band, and they, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah so they That's... they knew each other. So I see him every once in a while, and he taught me how to play harmonica when I was a kid. And, wow, um, dude. Did you know so that? Are we Andy? talking you know like Dick Dick Dale? What's that? There's stuff like that, like surf rock kind of, or like oh, did like, I know or like, like, like like Hermits. And hermits and okay. Like yeah. some yeah. of that stuff yeah. too. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know if did you know that, Andrew? I play harmonica. No, I had no idea. Did you just oh, say Herman and the Hermits? Herman yes, Hermits, he did. yeah. Which <laughs> I saw in concert once, by the way. There. Really? Uh, my mother, my mother-in-law is really like because always into Herman's Hermits. They they played a show at the Camden Riverfront one year, and I went to it. Nice. <laughs> I have to do a little research on that. <laughs> so, so why don't you why don't you give us our net your next of the okay. formative so four. Big, Big departure from Doogie Green Day. Um, incredibly formative album for me was Bad Hair Day by Weird Al Yankovic. Wow. Yes. In, wow. There's, there's been a handful of friends of mine like whose musical taste I have a ton of respect for have said that to me. And Weird Al was a 
freaking great musician. A he genius. really was. Absolutely. Dude. You think he was from this planet? No. No. And Frank Zappa. Whatever planet that's Andy what Paul I've always out. said is Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa and Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al Yankovic is just to the left of Frank Zappa. If, for, if Frank Zappa is three hundred twins, degrees, Weird Al is about three fifty-eight. I mean, he's right there with them. Like Absolutely. I bet the, the mutual respect was huge. Oh yeah, well, you know, he he did a big Frank Zappa tribute song on one of his albums later. Oh, I didn't song, even know that. Uh, there's a song called "Genius in France." It's uh, wow. 14 minutes long, 15 minutes long, and it's Damn. all done the Frank Zappa style. Uh, that was his real genius. Was not just these direct line for line parodies of a specific mm-hmm. song, but he would pick whole genres or whole bands like Talking Heads or Devo sure. and. and a song wow. in their style. Two of my favorite bands ever. Uh, oh, it, talking heads. I incredible. almost feel Devo. like like the like Weird Al Yankovic in a, a kind of weird way um, influenced bands like Ween, who just like say, "Oh, oh hell yeah! Gr- you want a grunge song? Here you go. Here's a grunge song, and we'll do it better than anybody does." And the lyrics will be goofy as fuck, or like some spoof on the scene, Primus. or here. Here's a fucking metal tune, or you want a song that sounds like Motorhead? Here, you got one. You know, and it's right. gonna be about cars. It's, and it's, because he was so in tune with all music and was so at the center of, of uh, the zeitgeist, and he was so in the center of what popular music was, and all these other bands would always say, "MTV, you know baby, you made it." You know, you made it if Weird Al parodied you, or if Weird exactly. Al like mad, and would not get mad. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so that's when he was a big link to me to all these other genres of music and all these other popular artists that I would go listen to just to enjoy Weird Al more. Like yeah, he'd do a parody song. I'd be like, I have no idea why this is funny. Yeah, you need I've the background the song. to be so, yeah, and then I'd go. Yeah. I, 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 saw, I saw Weird That's Al amazing. on Johnny Carson one night and uh, he did uh, a parody of the song Lola. Uh, to oh, yeah. Yoda. Yoda. Oh, yeah, Yoda. Y-O-D-A, Yoda. He said like a bump on the log all the time. But he did it real serious. And it was. Let me tell gosh, you about great. that song. I have seen Weird Al in concert twice. The first time I saw him in concert, did a great show. First off, he puts on a, a ridiculously good show. I but bet. he came According out. Oh, yeah, he does costume changes and stuff in between and, and whole effects. And it's like a comedy show halfway through, too. So, the you know, everything dies down. They're, they're done. They took their bow. They left the stage. And you, but you kind of got that sense that something else was still going to happen. And then you, you know, the keyboards start up a little bit and they play Yoda. But everybody oh, comes man. out dressed like Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're dressed like, That's you know, awesome. Jedi robes. And not only did they play Yoda, <laughs> but they played it They played it like Skinner playing Freebird. It was 20 no minutes way. of oh, just really? Yoda. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. So, yeah. so there's, show. There's, there's a line in that that I think, he lives in a swamp down in Dagobah, right? <laughs> yeah. And it was all so creative. I lost on Jeopardy. I mean, <laughs> he, dude, yes. eat it. Hammer, hammer whole wheat. I mean, come on, dude, that's oh, so good. And the, I mean, the videos, the way he would do these kind of shop for shop parodies, videos. Um, and he understood exactly how to make it all funny and not, he wasn't digging at anybody. He was right. laughing with everyone, not at right. anyone. Um, right. and, and he even said, he said once about Michael Jackson, he said, nobody did more for my career than Michael Jackson. He's like, I probably oh, wouldn't be, I wouldn't yeah. be famous if there hadn't been Michael Jackson. 
and I'm sure if you go deep, like the deep cuts and stuff like that on those albums are great because he seemed like a, an amazing musician, but he had to pay the bills somehow. And that was his Michael Jackson parodies and stuff like that. And those dudes would spend millions of dollars on those videos. And then he would just totally knock it off for probably an eighth of the price. But yeah, they were just doing it on camera. It seemed like they were filmed in a day or something like right? that. Yes. Um, but perfectly so. Like, you know, there are great movie makers who filmed all their stuff for $8 million or less. Um, so, I you mean, know, some guys just, that's the way they do it. And one artist well. turned one artist that turned him down and he would always obviously ask may i do this and i don't know if you guys know this but he asked prince i don't prince. know oh that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah and he said i think he said like i'm flattered but no man i believe jehovah's witnesses have something about impersonation or something like is he that. A, was he a church of latter-day saints guy jehovah's witness but latter-day that's oh. mormon latter-day saints yeah. oh is, oh, that's, he was a Jehovah's I Witness. Gotcha. I got gotcha. I got gotcha. I'm getting my religions. But that's interesting. Up. I didn't know that about. I didn't know that about the bad. That of that would be why Prince would say no. Well, um, I don't know if it I is. I had no clue. But, I mean, uh, otherwise he's probably just too sensitive. Sure. Well, and, was, I mean, he had. I don't know. Like, if you said, "Hey, Prince, give us one of your B tunes," and he gives you Manic Monday, I'd be like, "Thank you, thank you." Yeah, my guess. But, right. My guess is he wanted to do Purple Rain. That came out yes. two, two or three and years ago. There was that album of every song that Prince wrote, but what, but it wasn't famous for. Record, right. And and you listen to these songs, you're like, what? Like I was blown yeah. away. And that's when I found out that he wrote Manic Monday. Before that, I didn't know that. I'm like, what? he wrote Manic Monday of all yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, why don't you give us your yeah. third? Album all right. Now my here. third. There's been some some controversy because I've gone back and forth on this and I don't know when I sent you the list because I have I have two and here was the problem with formative four okay. you really hurt me I know whittle it to four hurts yeah it, it does. does the fifth I'm one is a, you, this is a, is a heartbreaker I'm gonna tell you what I have now which may or may not be and I would stand by either answer but the, the one that I have on review is uh flood by they might be giants wow. <laughs> I saw they might be giants yeah. in a very they were from Milwaukee were they not from yeah. Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Yeah. Just like basically a suburb of Chicago. <laughs> and and they are, I think that They Might Be Giants might be some of the most just brilliant writers in. Super, yeah, super, super talented. Great songs. Um, super talented. And so when I saw them, one, one dude played a tuba most of the time. The other guy played a stand-up bass. Yep. And, right. It's, you know, and that's it. it was, it's, and then, like make, someone would make, shout a request, and he he said, "Someone shout a request," and he said, uh, "We'll play that in four songs." <laughs> <laughs> when I put they make great, uh, great children's albums too. Like that's like they're yeah, my two kids' favorite favorite. That's why albums. it's a formative. It's a formative for me. Is of course I think oh, like a lot of people exactly. Sure. A lot of people exactly in my uh, age bracket. Our first exposure is like the the Looney Tune stuff where they're doing. Particle Man, and they're doing, um, you know, the uh, Istanbul, right? And they they've right. got uh, yeah. versions of it. But then that led me to get so much deeper into them, and the the what they do Particle with such Man. minimalist writing, it's like sure, it's like it's like finding out if you found out that Michelangelo painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel with three colors of paint, you know, you'd you'd be so flabbergasted. But that's what I feel like they are. Is they've got sure these incredibly minimalist. Uh, stuff, but they can do Absolutely. all these things with it, and they managed to make nonsense very profound. 
because absolutely you, on first yes. listen to their songs it's like oh this is these nonsense lyrics then you listen deep you're like these are not but nonsense it's lyrics. Pro- exactly it seems silly but it's actually making a statement and that brings me to um they might be giants brings me to another band that i've talked about on this podcast yeah. it's, the violent, it's the violent femmes the violent mm. femmes were from uh-huh. milwaukee in kind of of that like minimalistic ilk in almost made silly but like angsty tunes and they were kind of different silly blister in the sun right yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 I don't know if I go. I mean, I know some of their songs, but I don't know if I can name much deeper than that. You would, you would know. I mean, Blister of the Suns was pretty popular. You would know that one. If I would you know a number of them on some. that album, uh, and uh, of course, Blister in the Sun. I know. I can definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that they came from the same place, but I yes, definitely like did. that. Makes a lot of sense that they were, you know, probably playing the same. Yeah, clubs so they might be giants. Jeez, uh, I, I saw them in a movie theater uh, in Champaign, Illinois, called the Virginia I knew Theater. You were gonna say that. I mean, grand total, maybe 300 people there. You know, sure. same amount of people who go see Star Trek Four on your general night. And uh, so... The best one. The best one. Let's okay. not. Is that the one they come back to Earth? That's with the whales. The be- it's the voyage home, and it's yeah. the best one. And it works too. All right. Credit where credit's due. Uh, I am not a Star Trek fan. I was a shot in the dark. I, I know <laughs> zero, yeah. zero about Star Trek. So, uh, but yes, Han. I did go see that. Oh, no. huh? So, that's, uh, so yeah. I was. Okay. That's two. So, right. John, what what age are you listening to? They might be giants. So that flood came out in 1990. Um, okay, and it, within a year or two, I I had the album. So you're um, 10 or 11. Yeah, uh, when that okay. when that came out. And uh, what, what's your feeling on Ween then? I just I don't I don't know him real well. Check That's gonna out. be on my list now. Yeah, it's gonna. But I, Flood has now, Flood has stayed with me forever. I mean, okay. th- so I have th- I have three kids. Um, some of the songs from Flood are my kids' lullabies that like I sing That's to them, go awesome. to bed. Uh, awesome. I have, I have little physical things in, in my house uh, that are referenced their songs. One of one of the songs, Birdhouse in Your Soul, has a reference to. A I blue know canary too. nightlight and then they say you know there's a, a line where he's talking about there's a picture opposite me of a, of a lighthouse i've got both i have a picture of a lighthouse across from a blue canary nightlight in my house i mean these are huge influences they my kids love awesome. this and i and i now have uh hugely depth of it because they might be giants have released about 800 albums you know they have like, a huge a ton, they've recorded catalog a, they've recorded a ton of stuff I mean, they've they been have. around a long time they have, but dude like they've recorded like a ridiculous amount of music they're very prolific they just <laughs> never stop doing stuff yeah. um there's a there's a great video you can find on youtube where they cover uh tub thumping by chumbawamba remember that no one hit wonder yes we'll be singing they would nail it Oh, it was great. They, so just go find that. It's well worth the watch. But right they, but listen to that album. I mean, I, I could. I mean, I could just right here. If we, if that was what we wanted to do, I could tell you every lyric to every song. I could go through that whole thing on that album. And yeah, we've had that. Experience. I am listening to that on the way to work tomorrow. I'll tell you that right now. I have it's, to oh, it's so it. good. It's every these just these little punchy songs, and they're sure. um, every one of them tells this intense story. They. It's just like with the style of music where it's very minimalist. You know, it's three colors of paint, but they do wonders with it. They right. don't drag anything out either. You know, they're 
they're telling these short stories. There are songs on there that are, you know, a minute 30, right? There's just right. short, punchy, but impactful things. It was like, you know, that one time you're sitting in junior year, uh, you know, English literature class, and maybe that one poem that got to you the right way that just sure. was so impactful. Um, and the way the really brilliant poets would do it in a quarter of a page. It was right. that. That's what that album does. And the it would the and the wow. song was a minute. The song was a minute and thirty seconds because that was all it needed to be. And there wasn't any bullshit outside of that. I mean, that's cool, man. I'm listening to that record on my way to work. Yeah, listen to that right now. That was Thanks, profound. John. That was profound. Um, I tell you what, uh, John. Why don't you give us our feature album for the? Ooh, I'm clicking. Why don't you give us our feature album for the night and let us and uh, tell us what we'll be talking about in the next segment. And uh, his fourth formative fourth album. Here it comes, guys. Album. Fourth, my formative fourth, and without a doubt, more formative than the other three. Uh, biggest influence on me musically, even personality-wise, political leanings, all of these things. Nice. Pink Floyd's The Wall. I'm tearing nice. up, folks. Literally, like <laughs> this. Uh, I love when people feel this way about music, especially music that I love. But and I it's it. it's unbelievable that we didn't have a Pink Floyd album before this point. Yeah, was, we've actually talked about I that. It was I'm almost kind of break the Pink Floyd cherry. It was almost kind of ubiquitous for all three of us. Like we all had a Pink Floyd album that was like, like it was right the there, verge, but it was right. just like, oh, you know, I didn't think of it, you know, or something like that. So we are honored to be able to bring Pink Floyd in the final, final episode. Final of episode. Pink Floyd, The Wall. So I tell you what, we're going to break right here on the Music Challenge podcast. Did I get that right? The you did. Podcast Ooh. Music Challenge. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, if you'd like to send in your formative for still, uh, give us an email at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go to the Facebook page that I got, start, that I got started for all of us. Uh, over 100 likes. You can be part of the wave of the... I mean, it's happening, folks. It's happening. It, it, so, so go to our John, page and like it. I mean, send us, like and follow it. Send us one at a time. Send us two at a time. Send us, or, you know, even four. better yet, send us a topic for the second season. There or that. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. So we're crowdsourcing everything here or stump the panel. That's always fun too. Um, send us your weirdest album. And chances are that we'll, it'll, it'll find a way. So thank you very much for listening. And we will be right back after this See you guys. on the Music Bye. Challenge podcast. Thank you, John. Remember, everyone, we want you to submit your formative four. Tell us the musical seeds that set you on your path, and we might review one of your albums right here on the air. You can get on our blog at musicchallenge.fireside.fm or email us 
at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Also, you can slip into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Come as close to four as you can, but if you need more or less, that's all right too. Remember, musicchallengepod at gmail.com and you could hear us discuss one of your albums. Thank you for coming back to the Music Challenge podcast. Uh, we have been talking to John Rosia. Hey, nothing to be sorry about. And uh, we just wanted to jump. We've been having a conversation off camera, and we wanted to have one on camera. So uh, pardon us. We sound like we're just kind of in mid-conversation, but we're just <laughs> talking about... Uh, but we are. I don't know. I guess uh, either the cars or cars were about to be the next. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know which one I'm hoping for. <laughs> But, uh, You're gonna be disappointed then. I'm sorry. It was a, it was an actual car reference, not the cars reference. No, well, Jed would like that then. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so, Rob too. Rob and I are car guys. Andrew, not so much. Actually, I I like cars plenty. Kind of, I just kind of don't read about them like you guys do. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I had a musclehead brother, so. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily a a car guy, but I feel like you'll appreciate this just as both maybe car guys and music guys. Uh, sure. A little a little plug for earlier i mentioned ben vaughn an album you got to check out by ben vaughn there's an album he recorded called rambler 65 it is called rambler 65 because, because he was... recorded the entire album in a 1965 he built an isolation booth in the trunk he had you know a, a like pat that you took out the pedals and he had pedals i mean he he did this whole thing in the car <laughs> you know that actually might be why i why that i find sounds amazing kind of familiar because i remember reading a snippet somewhere about some car car recorded album out there it's and it's wow. incredible it the sound related. is amazing and he said i mean i did it because where else does rock and roll sound better but in your car fuck yes dude that's truth. where i do all my Best listening, John. I in a loud stereo in a car. Bob Dylan, when he recorded, he used to take the tapes out to the car, to the car during the session, and uh, a, hear how it sounded idea. on his car stereo, that's even the crappy car stereo. Idea. Right. Yeah. So yeah. one speaker right in the center of the dashboard, for Christ's sake. <laughs> right. Well, that's what a lot of people do now is they put their Bluetooth speaker up there. Yeah. yeah, and just hope you don't get in an accident because that thing's gonna fly through your throat, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, missile. I mean, my Bluetooth speaker weighs a lot, so I mean, that's because of the awesome magnets in it, whatever, whatever, sure. whatever. Um, so John, tell us, uh, well, you don't have to tell us anything, you already told us that uh, your most formative of your four is Pink Floyd, The Wall, absolutely, and, and uh, so um. Why don't you start? Why don't you present this album to us? Why don't you tell us why this was a formative album for you? So, oh, and I got stories for you too, because there's so many stories in my uh, youth and even adult life that's centered around this. But it, this is a formative album for me. Uh, my best friend in the world of the first 
the first non-family member friend I ever made in my life, we met in seventh grade. You know, he's still my friend to this day. In fact, I actually just spent this past weekend with him. So uh-huh. uh, nice. And he's just a, a great guy. And everybody's got that that one friend. All right. This guy on my 18th birthday, he showed up to where I was, wasn't a party or anything. He just showed up, walks up to me, hands me a knife, says, happy birthday. You'll need this. Walks away. Doesn't say another word to me. Just Whoa. vanish it. That's just the kind of guy he was. <clears throat> right. So he one we're we're teenagers and one day i had a i had a rough time of high school yeah it it was not a great experience for me by any stretch i was not the right temperament um you know i was a very angry young man i was an angry young man i struggled i struggled with high school too so go on and and and, you know a lot of my struggles came from issues of authority and you know I, i had i was as full of piss and vinegar as any you know young man could be um, sure. There might be something to the reputation of us, you know, Jersey Dagos, uh, ah, but whatever great. it was, whatever it was, it was there and it was strong. And I, I didn't have as many good channel outlets for it. And then here comes Charlie, my my other Jersey Dago friend. And he What's says, I got to show you. His name was Charlie Carrado. What a God, good, a good Dago that. name. Oh, you know, that, dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, like like Charlie, like not Charlie with an R, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie was his Charlie. name. Right. So Charlie, he showed me that he showed me actually the first thing he showed me was the movie. Right, and he and he said, "I have to show you something." And he showed Whoa, me. Whoa, that was the, the first your first exposure to the wall was the movie. Was the movie, and oh, I had not God. not only my first exposure to the wall, my first exposure to Pink Floyd. Uh, I think wow. one time I had heard like "Careful with that axe, Eugene." I had heard you know oh, somewhere, but right. that's a my hell first, of a first song to hear. Right, and, and that was and the movie my dad came out played for me in 1982, correct? Yes, uh, I do believe. Yeah, yeah so we're just putting and time the, frame on it. Right, the album was was 79. The movie was 82. So I'm, you know, they're already well out by the time this happens. It's been maybe they're 15 years old or, or 13 years old, right. and I. So I watch this and we and we watch it like projected on his basement wall, like a sheet oh. hung on his basement wall and, <laughs> wow. um, you know, wired up speakers that I'm, I'm sure we'd stolen from some junkyard. I, I don't remember everything sure. that we'd done. But so we watched this and it blew me away. And I and I had said because I didn't know anything. I said, how did they make this movie? It's the weirdest movie I've ever seen. He goes, oh, it's an album. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I mean, this is like all the songs in this are an album and you got to hear. And so then we just listened to the album and he even wow. showed me everything. He he had a. Uh, uh, you know, a CD player that you could put on repeat. And he said, listen, when, when the when the whole album ends, I'm going to turn it all the way up and you got to listen real closely because then, you know, it ends with, isn't this where, and then loops back around at the beginning and says, we came in and he goes, see, get it. Uh, nice. That's nice. just, um, dude. So that folks with that story, that is a formative motherfucking album right there. I just got, I mean, that is a great story, John. Yeah. And awesome. that was it. I, I knew it gave me this connection to a, a greater, a greater angst beyond my own, right? That this was something that other people had not only dealt with and I wasn't as isolated, but other people had managed to channel into tremendous art. art other people right. had managed to exactly. take this, this kind of anger, this kind of ennui, this, this feeling of, of isolation uh, and they've managed to do something with it. Even if that didn't solve it, I mean, by, by no account did Sid Barrett necessarily, uh, who this, you know, mostly was written about by, by Waters. A lot of it was about, a lot of it was autobiographical. A lot of it was How do you about say Sid his Barrett. name? Roger. 
Roger Water. Water. <laughs> Roger Water. 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 It's funny. Right. I'll say Roger Waters, but it's it's Water. <laughs> well, only because his name is Water. That's the type of stuff I pick up <laughs> when on. You're don't worry about it. Referring to H2O, it's Water. It's Water, right? That's um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, if I'm watching like a John Waters movie, I have no problem saying John Waters. The Roger Waters Water. table? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he'd, you know, by, by, didn't necessarily mean that they'd solved it, but they got a better understanding of it. And, you know, if you have a bunch of people and they're all feeling isolation, that is a way to lessen the isolation is even just knowing that one else. I'd hate to refer to it this way, but literally misery loves company and things are easier. If you know, somebody is feeling the same way you're feeling, you know, it's, it's common. It resonates emotionally. Yeah, totally. 100%. This friend of mine, I mean, he was, he and I were very, very similar, similar demographics, similar upbringing, and really similar conflicts in our head and our heart. But Charlie. I was 13. I was 14. I didn't have the, the words yet to explain this. I didn't have. No, the and that's when you're like, because you're, you're going through puberty and you don't know what's going right, on. I don't know anything. But yeah. Roger then, Waters suddenly, did, right? Yes. And we had this shared language suddenly. Suddenly we could just both listen to this album and look at each other and say, this, this is it. Like I'm, I'm not awesome. as musically talented, but this is what I'm feeling. And he's like, awesome. "Yes, I get it." And we could just. And then I remember just one day, we were in class together, and our teacher was. And you know, in retrospect, our teacher was probably just being an, a perfectly ordinary teacher. But to sure. our 15 year old selves, it was the world's greatest injustice. And our teacher <laughs> did something that we didn't like, or that we we thought was uh, was bad. And I remember him just looking at me and mouthing the words, another brick in the wall, and me nodding stage. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, and just, we got Don't it. Don't eat your meat, you won't, eat, you won't get your pudding. Exactly. So we, we just had something. And that's what that's what this was. And I and forever, um, this album, I remember one time me, uh, it, it was me and Charlie and three other guys. We were taking a road trip. And it was a long, we were going from New Jersey to Atlanta. It's like a 14-hour drive. Nice. And music so all said... So here's what we, uh, it wasn't for me, no, it was, it was for something else, but we all decided, hey, instead of um, kind of like fighting or debating music, we timed it out. We're like, there's about enough time for all five of us to play five albums each, right? Like that's oh, about the amount dude, of time. So we'll idea. each bring five albums. We'll each play it. Well, here's the problem with it. The problem was we didn't coordinate because we wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> there were two that's albums. That's the way we did this. <laughs> double albums. Two albums that all five of us brought. Two albums that 100% of the people brought. One of them was The Whoa, Wall. Oh, that's amazing, dude. Wow. And the, the other was Abbey Road. Nice. Yeah. Uh, My and favorite just, no doubt Beatles about that. record. My it's favorite great. Beatles and record. Phil Spector. So we ended up, we're like, oh, so we realized we're not going to have enough time. And Charlie's the one that said, oh, yeah, we will, because we're going to listen to The Wall five times. No, oh, that's great. <laughs> So and you and can, you can. We, oh, absolutely. Because you pick up things. I mean, I still listen to that album and pick up new things, or it's relevant to new parts of yeah, my life. You know, for sure. Uh, There's a lot of very, very quiet parts on that album that you know require extremely delicate listening. And I'm I'm just talking about the instrumentation, really. But absolutely. then you know, Roger Waters is often, or David Gilmore is often just kind of, I don't want to say murmuring, but kind of in that tone of voice. 
like, have you ever seen the fallen one, one, one? You know, that type Cyber, of thing. You know, and it is produced in just yeah. magical, dude. Like, magic. It, it plays with that so well. I'll find because it's one of those albums I will almost always just listen to completely. Now, I'll never pick For out sure. a song. You know, you listen to the whole no, thing. No, you wouldn't do it. that. And, and I will, I'll have it on. And then there'll be, you know, where, moments where it does kind of fade in the back, especially if you've got it on in the background, you're doing something else. You know, there'll be right. moments where it kind of lulls you into a sense of security. And then suddenly somebody screams or something comes back in very heavy. Fucking and all of a sudden, you in your ass, tension's right? back on it. And right. that's, There's, that's brilliant storytelling. So right. I, oh, so much. So much. One thing, one thing I picked up. Uh, today when I was listening to the wall and, it, and John if you do this more with us like say we'll interview you again in 10 episodes you'll you realize that when you're like analyzing an album you listen to it differently and maybe you realize it with this but there was that Roger Waters like almost like red tail hawk scream that he would use in some of the more psychedelic earlier shit not the walls not psychedelic yeah we can all think but of he, it but he would bust it out and it's just like oh my god it's like blood curdling careful, careful with that axe gene exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Right. right and i think that's why i was sounds like an eagle i was something. so shocked by it because right. I, i'd heard i'd heard careful with that axe gene and because that was really my only exposure to them, that's what I imagined it was all going to be like. Sure, and then right. here comes the wall, and it's a totally different thing. And it really, it sparked my love of concept albums too. I mean, ever mm-hmm. since then, I've I've loved, I love mean, uh, Dream Theater, scenes from a memory. You know, like even uh, Welcome to the Black Parade. Later, like anything that just had a good, deep concept where all yeah, of the absolutely. songs and told. Yes, that. and that started <laughs> with the wall. In the right. in the theme, in the theme, like continues to like come back it, it's just done so magically like the songs together like chapters in a book you know right uh, i mean like you know every every single song no has, has a moment and a reason no wasted space whatsoever and you know i mean just like in a book you know by a proper author is every single word has a meaning and for sure you know, in the wall you know every single note has a meaning especially when it's played so delicately you know, yeah. I mean, because there's uh, a lot of parts in between, like, okay, you got your rock and roll songs, and then you have these kind of deep emotional parts when Pink goes through these, you know, sure. further isolation type parts. It's in a song. I mean, Comfortably Numb goes all over the place, you know, yeah. and it's obviously a big, that's a big turning point in the story. And it's for sure. Um, yeah, there's big deep parts of that. And uh, and I th- this is one of those albums that I hear some songs that have been played like drilled into our heads over the years, oh, right? Yeah. If you ever and, listen to classic rock for an extent, oh, yeah. you, you listen to a classic rock radio station, they'll play it, and you're just like, you kind of grit your teeth. But in context, yes. when you listen to it in the record, I'm not skipping that motherfucker. Like oh, comfortably no. so numb differently when it's on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, one song out of totally different, totally different, and even I mean even some of the ones. You know, like another brick in the wall that uh, gets played on classic rock radio all the time. It's got a totally sure. different meaning embedded There's in three it. Three parts of it. Uh, totally. The third yeah. part's the best, and they don't ever play that one. Right. Exactly. And there's just in my these, these elements of it because everything is 
what comes before and after really matters. You know, it's like it's like cutting out the punchline of a joke, you know, without you getting to pay the attention. Or exactly. It's like somebody playing you two and a half minutes of a movie and you're like, what the hell just happened there? It right. And it might be the most brilliant sense. scene. You know, sure. if you see uh, Citizen Kane and he just says Rosebud, but you haven't seen the whole movie. Yeah. Actually, if you miss like, oh. the opening, if you miss, I was just going to say, for me, on a good movie, if you miss the opening credits, don't even, you miss yeah. a big chunk of that because the, the opening credits are really composed. They're telling you exactly what they want you to know to set the movie. Absolutely. And that's when the opening credits end on Citizen Kane is when he says Rosebud. And yeah. like, if you miss the opening credits of Citizen Kane, you you really won't know what the hell the movie is about. If you miss Absolutely. the space cr- scroll on a Star Wars movie, just yeah, go home. fuck it, just, just go yeah, home. Is ending and time, if you guys know the uh, Moulin Rouge, really great great music movie. First time sure. I ever watched Moulin Rouge, um, I I was late to the movie. I walked in late to the theater. I thought <laughs> I had just made it. It turns out I just made it to the beginning of the second scene. So I missed the first scene where he's typing on the typewriter and says she's dead. I missed that whole scene. I just came in on the party. So when she dies at the end, I legitimately didn't know she was going to die and was super (laughs) upset by it. So did you stay in the theater and watch the beginning again? No, I, 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 the up, I, was just, I didn't realize I had missed anything. Out. I didn't, I didn't I know. Bet. I thought it was just this shock ending. <laughs> I thought it was just very, very shocking. So, so, we, so, so my experience with the wall again in um, John, you've listened to a few shows, but my brother, six years older was super formative in my like music path just because he had the records and I didn't, he had the record player and I didn't. My cousin, who was older than my brother yet, bought him the wall on vinyl. And I saw it and I was like, what the fuck is that? And of course, I had to wait till my brother left so I could go down in his room to listen to this. <laughs> and hopefully awesome he didn't scratch it. Awesome. No, hell no. I was careful. I wasn't sure. careful with it the lock. Sometimes. Put it back I in would, exactly the same. It happens. I, I wasn't careful with the lock, but I was careful with music. So my brother leaves. I go and I'm like, can't wait to hear this album. Look at, you know, I open it up and the artwork is just oh, out oh there God. and amazing. Like the big butt with, it was just, it's crazy. Um, and I put it on. And it scares the ever living shit out of me. Uh, that's my problem with this album: is it frightens me. It's frightening more than yeah. any rock and roll album. I think that like it's it makes me feel hollow. As a and, kid, uh, as the kid, a rock and roll album that scares you is like, holy shit! I want to listen. I don't want to listen. I want to listen. So I came uh, to the. Go ahead. No, 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 you. I came to the realization at some point pretty early, I think, earlier than most. Um, not sure why, but that if music makes you feel, however it does make you feel. Yeah, it makes you feel. It's, it's like pure art, yeah. you know? It still makes you feel, you know? Totally. And, you know, it's, if you have fallen under the, I don't know, the weave of their web, you know, that they're trying to throw out for an album. In other words, if I took a number of music classes in college and we used to say, if you speak this band's same language, then they speak to you. But there's right. certain bands that, you know, you just don't speak their language. So it sounds like 
gibberish. Correct. Then a year later, you might speak their language. Sure. And, and it completely, like for example, Rob, LCD sound system. Oh, I, did, I did not get amazing. that for a long time. Oh. And it, for the longest time. And then all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, I think I would like that now. Yeah. I went, I went to it and it was like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. It was just like, where am I? Insane, what, what was I thinking? Insane talent. I love those feelings when you're like, what the fuck? So I'll, so many people throw music at me like these guys john so it's like to filter through it but i love when somebody's thrown something at me for a while and then i finally listen to it and it catches me i'm like god i'm an asshole like what? <laughs> yeah I, i've been there a couple that's what i was with with tom petty who is now one of my absolute oh, favorite amazing of all time. his first album is amazing i hated tom petty the first time i heard him i, I was a teenager um, I just, I couldn't say, I think I was, I was trying to be, be harder than I was, sure. you know, and Tom but they Petty wasn't hard it, enough. They drilled it into us too. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't all our faults. Did you go to oh, a rough no. high school, John? Did you go to a rough high school? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say rough. Um, I would, I would say that <laughs> no. most of my issues with it were my own fault rather than necessarily imposed. I, mean, trying I was to be, just trying angry to be youth. a badass. I mean, that was my was there. Yeah. That's the other thing, you know, that we were we were in that kind of middle ground where nobody nobody in my area was was wealthy nobody was rare everybody was was like that lower middle class where yep. we had plenty sure. to be thankful for and, right. and and no right to complain but also i mean everybody was going to do the same job their parents did everybody was right. going to go work at the same campbell soup factory in camden and like and vicious you know, cycle right. yeah and, and but you were you were doing just well enough that you felt guilty for complaining sure yeah um which kind of and it made it hard to struggle against. I mean, you had it the basics. To... Right, you know, right. Like food, I, you know, shelter. Our, our, our lights never got shut off. You know, my parents, my parents worked. Sure. But, um, and I, I never watched anybody, I never watched anybody like get shot and killed on my street. Um, but now the the list of people from my high school that have uh, died from ODs is in the 20s or 30s now. Mm-hmm. It's bad out by, out oh, yeah. by you, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's horrible. Get, it, it is. It is bad. And I mean, it's horrible all over, but it's concentrated and bad out there. It breaks my yep. freaking heart. So uh, I, I remember I have another, I have another pink, a lighter Pink Floyd story for you, though. Go from ahead. This album. Please. So the Franklin Institute is a, a staple in Philadelphia. It's a big science museum. They okay. used to have Ooh. this thing called the Planetarium, which was oh. a, an awesome 180-degree domed movie theater. <laughs> You'd sit in this chair. I to. There's a huge domed movie theater over your head. Um, and it's enormous. Hold on. I want some LSD. <laughs> you do. Sorry. Sorry. So, Sorry. so you're watching. And, and what they would do during the day is they play, oh, we're going to explore the solar system or we're going to show you the Voyager shuttle or, you know, stuff like that. Sure. But uh, once a month, Saturday at midnight, they would do the Pink Floyd, the wall laser light show. I saw oh, one of those. I need to see that. Where, that was yeah. one of my first exposures to it, I guess. Yeah, no, they I did know, Dark Side yeah. of the Moon. I saw a dark Charlie side and of the I movie. would go yeah. every time. Charlie, Charlie and I would go every time. Mm-hmm. We would sit in here, um, and and it was very much eighteen or older, which we were not. So we had to do various ways. At various points, we have bribed our way in. We have snuck our way in. We have just nice. pulled strings and connections. <laughs> but like we were in there, um, and I remember, and I I loved it so much. And years and years later, they stopped doing it years and years ago. But years later. I was just sitting with my my dad one night on the porch and we were reminiscing about it. And I was just telling him that story. 
And I said, yeah, I loved the, the way they did the effects because the music's great, but then they've got the lasers and they've got the smoke machines and they've got all this. And dad starts laughing. I said, what? He goes, there were no smoke machines. Oh, there was just people ripping I said, said, no, there was a ton of smoke everywhere. He's like, yeah, there were no smoke machines in the planetarium ever. The smoke machines were the attendees. Awesome, dude. I was 14 years old. Is that why I like that album? Was I just hotboxing in the planetarium? Absolutely. (laughs) It was like like a room bong, dude. Giant enough that I thought it was smoke machines. Uh, so, John, do you have any final thoughts on the wall for us? If you have have a message that you get out of this album, and I, what you were talking about earlier about music speaking to you, there's this core, core lesson in this, and I think that core lesson is the the bad that men do, right? The evil things that men manage to do come from places of isolation. It comes from a distance between you and the people wow. you're doing those bad things to. I mm-hmm. think that's the lesson I, I tried to always get from that, which was the more distanced Pink, you know, the the auto semi-autobiographical right, yeah. character of this, right. the more yeah. distance he becomes. The, it's not that he's becoming worse. That darkness was always in him, and he can justify bringing it out when he can't recognize the faces of the people he's doing it to. Right. And he becomes more isolated. The more the more like notoriety he gets, the more he gets isolated too. Like, but just and then the common life events too. Like yeah. his, like his mother passes. I'm assuming in one of these songs called mother. Well, and... his father, his father passes. His mother raises him very abusively because his father, oh, in, in the story, okay. his father passes in world war two. And then his mother, because his father okay, died so in world now war II, that his mother's very controlling. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, so basically these are, these are children of men who fought in World War II, and probably mm-hmm. if they didn't experience it, if their fathers didn't die in World War II, they sure enough knew friends whose fathers died in World War II, right? Some generational yeah. trauma. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and England was attacked. So, so right. take, that's traumatic. Yes. And of course, because there's a song about the blackout, you know, there's a song about, um, there's even that one line where you. Oh, know, I didn't voice, realize. Look, that. mummy. Look, mummy, there's an airplane up in the sky. Right. See, I wondered. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wondered that, very that's much about if the that bombing. was like, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder so, if that was about the Blitz. So Yeah, it's about the Blitz. And and so I think just listening to that and recognizing that it's it's so important as you – because my, my natural tendency in that age was to build that same wall, you know, to to say, hey, listen, if, if the world's going to sting me, I'm going to put so much armor up, the world can't possibly sting me. But armor, armor like that is not – selective if you if you block out one thing you block out everything and that can be a a dangerous road to walk down drew i want to say one more thing and you said this beautifully when we discussed um talking about this album and told us about john throw that wizard of oz thing in here because you said it perfectly and i was like god damn that's profound Uh, oh the dark the dark side thing well what i said about the dark side thing was (laughs) <laughs> if he intended to do it 
Absolutely. He's a genius. If he didn't intend to do it, he's still a genius. He's still a fucking (laughs) genius. Because he wrote down that one with the first 38 minutes of Wizard of Oz. Wait, my shit syncs up with the Wizard of Oz? Sweet, like bonus. (laughs) Yeah, and I just just don't know what to say when he says he has no idea. It's like, really, dude? Watch watch live at Pompeii when he talks about, like, using psychedelics and shit like that. It's totally tongue-in-cheek. He's like, really? I mean, like, looks at the camera with the side of the side. It's just, (laughs) like, I don't think that Roger Waters said anything directly ever in his life well, i guess he's true I, I know what you're saying i mean i know what you're saying completely when it came when it came to is his he art, smart enough to do it when he came to his art he was so freaking vague and it was it made it more attractive you know is he smart Tom, enough did to you do it? did you see oh, the yeah. um did you yeah. see the roger okay. waters like tour that happened I, like I several didn't. years ago 2012 like Dumbass. Yeah, I think yeah, that, that it was 2010 right. through 13. We have a friend. We have a around. friend who who went and like I that's thought it was still Brian Levesque like went to that and he right. still talks about it all the time because he's was, in like, my band. So profound for for him and I'm just I'm just curious what what uh, Roger Waters like personality on stage was given like his general distaste. I believe for fans he did. And, I believe right, he did the whole right. Pink Floyd act where like you know he he oh he yeah. did do it right. Pigs having spaghetti dinner and all it, that kind of. I, I mean, I heard it went. It was it was really really dramatic. So I was curious how. Sure. I was hoping someone had seen it. But yeah, I would love to see that. In recording Rod- somewhere. Roger Waters being the musical badass that he is there's nobody that's going to be a fucking slacker on stage. They're going to fucking nail it. Oh yeah. Or they're not up there. You know, he fired, um, after, after the wall, um, why am I blank on his name? But the, the keyboardist, I mean, he fired after recording the wall. Actually, he yeah. fired him during oh, the recording. During. Of the wall. It, right. Right. And then hired him as a studio musician for the rest of the recording. Was it, what a was, dick. was it Nick? Not you know Nick all Mason. the music anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have won the tryout. Yeah. You're, you're fired, but where do you think you're going? Uh, Richard Wright. Richard Wright. Right. That was it. Yes. I want, I want to show something to you. I don't know. I, I don't know that you have any visual kind of component here, but I do we want do. to show you. Oh, oh my. Yes, I have that I am t-shirt. recording this. Yeah. I have that t-shirt. And it this is, is my laser cut. Uh, this so this is the wall, um, and this is laser cut with this on there. Back to amazing. Uh, so. Wait, I need to expand your uh, for the center of that. <laughs> I have a I have that button on my guitar strap. So I need you to talk, John. So because then you're you're. Oh, you need me to be the the primary. Oh, there you are. There you go. I'm. Yeah, I know there's true there too. Like Sorry, I'm trying. There you go. So. Uh, this this is an actual copy of the wall, uh, and and it's there is a place in Philly. Philly has a great little thing called the Punk Rock Flea Market um, that they host every year. Uh, Philly's a very a very punk city. It's it's very cool. And um, one year I went, and there it was is. somebody that was had taken you know various classic uh, and and not so classic albums and and laser um, cut and. and- that's in my office, Andrew. So anytime you and I talked, I was I, that was looking down at me. Oh man, uh, I, I could tell now. I could tell. So so I've decided the three of us are going for a weekend to Jersey, Philly, whatever, and just doing that thing because I've never be cool. partied there, see a show or two, 
Oh, okay. I'll show you. Good. There's some great, great stuff. There's some when there are shows. Obviously, you go to want to wait for things to open back up, but there are sure. some outstanding venues here with tremendous history. There's. I was yeah. just going to say, you have so much more history than we do there. Oh, it's so good. Like 100 years, oh, yeah. at least. I mean, yeah, well, man. more than and, that. And I mean, your city's twice great, as old as ours. Yes. And, and you know, there's places that still look at, um, but there's... <laughs> I mean, there's you. You'll never be bored out here. I'll, I'll say that wow. for the city in this area. You'll never be bored. There's tons to do, tons to eat. There's a reason that all the Jersey Dagos are fat. Um, <laughs> but, That's you awesome. know, and we're not. It's not unpleasantly so. But sure. you, yeah, you'll have a very good time. Right on, John. Excellent. Thanks for joining us Thank tonight, you. man. Great, great show. And oh, great that, was a, that was a that was a great pick for, for sure. Yeah, I thought. I just thought. So, in any case, John, fantastic uh, appearance tonight. Uh, Want to repeat? We're talking to John Rosia, star of LinkedIn, and also I must say he is a very close affiliate of mine. He was my career coach at Ama La Vida. Uh, look him up online. They did nice. did wonders for me. So, um, I wanted to get that out there that John is the. Uh, Head of career coaching, is that correct, John? Yeah, I think the official title is director of career services, but that's I mean that's the same. Is that gonna change in the next week or are we are we set <laughs> on, are we set on that for now? Thing. I okay. think that's it for now. Good, good, good. So in any yeah, case, get any if anyone, in here. if anyone wants wants to hook up with John and if you're at all interested in scalable uh career servicing that is affordable and the ROI is phenomenal, email me at music challenge pod at gmail.com and I will pass along your anything to John. I'll just give you his con give you his con give you give him your contact information and nice. we'll just move along from there. So trust me, it is a non-pressure deal. I mean the first thing you're gonna talk about is probably a consultation and that is non-pressure free, whatever. So um I hate to set up your business model here, John, but I guess Fine. that's that's what we can offer to the Music Challenge podcast listener. Drew, <laughs> do you think you could? I could be the first person you send that info to. Just saying, or whose info you send to John? Happy to, absolutely, right absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, in any case, so if anyone feels thusly provoked, please do that. You will not regret it. So, I think that wraps up another edition of the music challenge podcast once again let's give it up for a special guest johnny rosia thanks thank you john it was sorry john i don't have the studio audience mic'd right now i actually <laughs> they stole the mic yeah, you, need now. A little, you need a little button well i do, so, I do. Sure me, i'll edit some in some crowd noise i guess and, they uh, stole the mic because they're hot boxing out in the laser light show right <laughs> yeah, right yeah actually they're beating right. up my car with them right now so in any case thank you john and uh remember contact us at uh, music challenge pod at gmail.com john do you have any other contact information uh you can find out everything there there ever is to know about me uh if you go to my my blog i have a little website um and it's just j-o-h-n-n-y-r-o-c-c-i-a.com just my name.com so check super it out easy if you want to check anything out I write stuff every day. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's clever. About 80% of the time, it's just filling space. But nice. if you like space filled in a clever Nice pitch, Rob. I, so, guys, this is the last episode of our season and our first season. And something that 
um, I've enjoyed like immensely and looked forward to doing, um, obviously I'm passionate about music, but all you people out there that have listened to our show and downloaded and commented and, you know, continue to comment. Thank it's you much so much. more than we thought. Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll be back awesome for another season. We're not exactly sure what it's going to be, but we'll figure it out. And it'll be interesting. We'll figure it out. Fun. It'll be just as yeah. interesting, probably more. And we're going to rock on. So for those about to rock, we salute you. Uh, but uh, uh, all right well you haven't heard the last of us in between here and there so uh, just keep your tuners tweaked and uh, you will hear some interesting stuff in the meantime what are we going to roll out with tonight from the wall yeah oh man how about um, you know what I'm the last guy who's probably um, John what do you think we should roll out with unquestioningly run like hell that's nice. our, like you gotta run on. I was gonna well, say, they catch uh, you in the backseat trying to pick her is. locks. They're gonna send you back to mother in a cardboard box. You better run. It's Fuck. a rock and roll yeah. fucking tune right Beautiful. there. Yeah. Enjoy All right. it, folks. We're going out on Run Like Hell. And once again, uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will see you not only next season, but uh, we got a special, two special things to release in between here and there. So take it easy. And, uh, Thank you very much. See you next season. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. All right. Thanks, John.